They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello there, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd, and joining me this evening, I've got Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, birthday boy, Anthony Gibson. Happy birthday, Gibbo. Thank you. Well, thanks very happy much. Happy birthday, Anthony. Anthony, yeah, thanks, Steve. You look like you're having a lovely birthday out there in Portugal. I have. It's been lovely. It's be- the weather's beautiful. Uh, I've had a lovely, lovely lunch of pesebes and lobster. And I've now got some Stouford Press. They don't have Thatchers out here, but Stouford Press from Herefordshire, Western Cider. Very, very good. Second best. <laughs> I, I did. I, I saw you. There was a can down on the beach and a thing you put on, a picture you put on Facebook. Mm. And was, that seems a little bit uh, unrefined for your taste, Anthony, but uh, needs must as the <laughs> devil drives, I suppose. Well, so, it's, it's better than a frightful summer's bee, which is the other side that they've got out here, which is made by Heineken. <laughs> it's have no connection with apples whatsoever. <laughs> uh, it probably tastes better than the, the piss that I managed to find in Tenerife as well. I, re- so. I, really, ob- I really object to multinational brewers capitalising on the name of Somerset. You know, mm. Somersby, when there's nothing of Somerset in it whatsoever, you know, it shouldn't be allowed. You're going to give Kevin James yeah. ammunition there because that's normally your uh, your go to <laughs> line for the, Somers- for the Hampshire team, isn't it? Not a trace of Hampshire in them. <laughs> oh, good stuff. So, uh, you've had a lovely birthday, and now you're going to ruin it by uh, uh, talking about Somerset. Uh, well, Somerset didn't win this week because they had no game. Um, the only real cricket we've got to report on is. Uh, well, Gloucester hung, hung on for a draw up at Rockhampton in the second team and uh, Somerset women uh, lost in the final of the women's T20 to Warwickshire. Was that yesterday? What day are we? Monday. Yep. Yeah, I think it was yep. yesterday. Yes. So, but the big news to come out of Taunton this week is a T20 signing. Steve, you just kind of given me a bit of a, a flick of the eyes, <laughs> uh, indicating <laughs> that uh, the signing of Riley Russo whose name took me about four or five goes to get spelt correctly, and I don't think I've even even spelt it correctly on my notes today, but I can read it, um, and I recognised it when it was uh, announced this week. So, Steve, what are your thoughts on uh, Mr Russo's signing? I'm underwhelmed for two reasons. One, because I was really hoping Matt Renshaw would play in the T20, uh, and two, because it's Riley Russo, because I know I know Dan did a 12-tweet statistical... <laughs> PhD on him, but I I just looked on um, my stats site that I look at, and I was like, don't remember him ever doing much against Somerset, which is obviously a bit of a biased sample. And I've got to say, his numbers in the blast for Hampshire haven't been great. So I'd be delighted to be proved wrong, but I'm not. My whelmed is under at the moment. I think Anthony summed it up very well when I think your comment, Anthony, was you're not sure whether he would get into the strongest Somerset T20 side. And it, I'd rather, to be honest, being blunt, I'd rather see Lamb and B, Smead, Banton and all the homegrown boys playing than if Renshaw's not available. But I suppose you've got to win a competition and that's the way the world is. So, Coach, I'm not going down. Uh, if you could summarise your 12 tweet pros into maybe... <laughs> 
11 tweets worth of audio. Yeah, so, well, the first thing that struck me when the signing was announced was that we didn't do, like, an anticipation tweet for it. Usually we sort of, Ben will tweet a time and an eyes emoji and say, you know, we're signing someone soon, you know. So it was just out of the blue, wasn't it? This just reflects the fact that it's not really a, you know, it's quite a relatively low-key signing, isn't it? Um, as I say in the thread, it's not a big name like Barbara Zam or Devin Conway. And yeah, the, the first thing that I thought was that I genuinely didn't know how good a signing it was. So that's why I sort of really delved into the, the stats. Um, his, yeah, his numbers for Hampshire, they're not horrendous, but they're definitely not as good as what you want from an overseas player. Um, decent strike rate, but not particularly consistent. Um his last year for Hampshire was 2019. Since then, he's actually been pretty good. He was leading run scorer in the Bangladesh Premier League 2019-20, leading run scorer in the 2021 South African T20 tournament. He's done pretty well in the PSL as well. He's got a PSL century. Um, and he's, yeah, it's 2022 PSL. He scored 279 runs at 39 with a strike rate of 168 and 350s, which is very good, especially in the PSL, which is a, a league which is known for having a high standard of bowling. So that's encouraging. I think this, his stats since playing for Hampshire are a lot more encouraging. Um, so hopefully that reflects the fact that he's improved as a player, not just that he can't handle English conditions or something like that. Um, yeah, and on Steve's point as well, I think Lamanby, Smee, Banton, all that main homegrown players will still play. I think if anyone's going to be squeezed out, it might be Goldsworthy, perhaps. Um, I, I assume Russo about three, which isn't his usual position. He's more of a four or five, uh, usually. Um, but I think three will probably suit him best with Banton Smead opening. Uh, Abel has to be, for me, immovable at number four. Uh, then Lamb will be five, Gregory six. And then you're sort of looking at Roloff, Green, possibly Goldsworthy, two of those three in a, you know seven or eight, and then three quick bowlers. Um, and the final element is just the fact that it means that Sid or Delaney will miss out. And it might well be Delanger that misses out more often than not. It's just, he's, um, he's in, on the second year of a two-year contract, and he is going to barely play for us this season. And uh, to be frank, he wouldn't have been kept if it was a one-year deal You know, last year. He wouldn't have been kept for another year. We're just almost running his contract down, it seems to me. He's not going to play in the Royal London Cup. Um, but who knows? I mean, Delanger, he, he might still play. Um, Siddle's obviously a different kind of bowler to him. Delanger does bring... So um, we'll see. Because I expect Russo will play regularly. Um, so yeah, in summary, I'm reasonably happy with the Russo signing. And I think availability is a big part of it as well. Um, we probably would have tried to get. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe he was just the best available player who was available for the whole tournament. Um, that's that's probably a, a part of it. I think because uh, yeah, they've said that he's available for uh, the final finals and the quarterfinals. If we get there, so I'm reasonably happy with it. But uh, let's see. Uh, let's see how it goes. Yeah, so I mean, you're potentially then looking at a top five of Banton, Smead, Russo, Abel, Lamanby, Gregory, and then Craig at seven, and then I've just kind of written the bowlers in any odd order: Brooks, Van der Merwe, Waller, and then Siddle slash Delanger. So, um, what were your thoughts? How on much? Today? Well, how much is Craig going to be playing? Because we got Test series against um, New Zealand coming up mm-hmm. in early June, presumably. I don't know. I, I'm I, rather like Steve. I mean, I was underwhelmed by it. You know, Riley Russo is good. You know, he's a good player, but he didn't exactly send the send the pulses racing when he walked in for for Hampshire. He got 150 against us in a 50 over match uh, he did, uh, a few yes. years ago. 
uh, and I was jolly pleased to see him um, out. I think Jamie Overton got him in the um, Royal London Final at Lords back in 2019. I was glad to glad to see the back back of him because he is a he's a dangerous dangerous player, but he's not Babrazan, and he's not Devon Conway. <laughs> you know, um, it's, you know, fine, but. I wouldn't. Uh, there wouldn't, for me, be much to choose between Riley Rousseau and James Hildreth, uh, number four or five. I mean, Hildy has, has got his own sort of whirly gig style of playing T20 cricket, and when it comes off, it's it's spectacular. Sometimes it doesn't, but I don't know. It just. I, I would have thought we could have found someone a little bit more exciting to, you know, really lift the spirits. At the county ground, either that or just go go with our own, you know, with our own lads who are who are highly talented T Twenty cricketers. And I, I agree with you about Martin Delanger as well. You know, what's he what's he for? And he's been um, doing great things for the seconds, scoring huge runs and ripping out stumps and goodness knows what else. You know, if, if we if we sign him up, we should give him a chance. And Peter Siddle captaining the Adelaide strikers in the in the um, big bash he was absolutely brilliant he should be captaining you know arguably captaining Somerset in the vitality blast he was he was he was so good and that's nothing against Tom Abel but but he was an inspirational captain I thought for the Adelaide strikers and uh, I don't know I just think it's all a bit I still think we've got a very very good chance in in the blast. You know, I think that if there's one competition that we're that we're most likely to win this year, it would be the Vitality Blast. I think you know we've got the right sort of combination. But I don't think Riley Russo, in all honesty, adds hugely to what we've got already. That would be. But you know, he's not a bad. Player. So do you think it was a case of signing an overseas for the sake of signing an overseas? Then I mean, Devon Conway is obviously going to be over here with the New Zealand team. I would imagine they would have uh, reached out to Babar Azam and, and he wouldn't have been available. So then you look at, you know, all your New Zealanders are gone. It's potentially quite difficult to find players who are going to be available for the whole the whole of the tournament. So I suppose I think they they felt they needed a power hitter there in the middle order. That's that's probably what it what it was all about. Um, Stop that. Um, I think I think that's, that's what it was. Is it saying you should be on the cricket show at the moment. <laughs> no, no, I did that on did that on Thursday or Wednesday or whenever it was when I got here. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think that I think that's what it was. So I mean, you know, I don't think he's, it's not a bad signing, but it's just not a signing that quickens the pulse. I don't think it adds hugely to our um, credentials, our potential in the Vitality Blast, which I still think is pretty good. Yeah, I think you know, being finalist last year, I think you absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. I think. I'm still I'm still keeping the faith for the county championship, but it's going to be a massive uphill struggle. But it's still mathematically possible. We've had probably was it nine or ten kidnapped by the hundred for the Royal London, so that one's going to look really difficult to win. So yeah, the T20 does look like it's going to be our best chance of some silverware this year. So yeah, whether I think Surrey Surrey are nailed on for the county championship. They're such a good side. I still think Lancashire Lancashire will be there or thereabouts. And I yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Lancashire, yeah, yeah. I think I think we're at best going to set our horizons on third. If we get third after the start we've had, that would be an immense achievement. 
Absolutely. Just looking at the Absolutely. standard of um, some of the sides in Division 2 at the moment, if, God forbid, we, we do end up getting relegated, it's going to be very, very tricky to get out of that division for a few years. So, you know, it makes, um, makes staying in Division 1 even more of a, even uh, has more importance as to uh, staying in Division 1. But I'm still keeping the faith as long as it's mathematically possible. Steve, Somerset North has just mentioned you in their story. That's a picture you're keeping. I know. I think I do no. think we're, Somerset are going to find themselves playing on some very flat pitches in the county championship, <laughs> especially at Chelmsford. God dear. Well, where, well, wherever, because you know we need to win, and sides playing against us will know that we need to win, and they'll be preparing the sort of pitch that you know um, Gloucester played um, Surrey on at Bristol a couple of weeks ago when Surrey got six hundred and three, and Gloucester got. I don't know, 400 and something for two or whatever. I think, you know, I think it's going to be very hard for us to win games of county championship cricket from now on, given the situation uh, that we're in. And all, and also, you know, the sort of ECB looking over our shoulder at the pitches at Taunton. I don't think we're going to see spinning pitches at Taunton in any case. But it's, you know, if we produce seeming pitches, there's a big high risk in that, as we found out against Essex. And oh, I don't know. it's it's very hard to see how we're going to, you know, third, I agree with Steve. If we could get to third, I think that would be a real, real achievement in the county championship after the start we've had. It's going to be tough. So speaking of the county championship and flat pitches, we are up at Neville Road on Thursday playing Gloucestershire, who are eighth. So it's eighth versus ninth in the championship. We're speaking about flat pitches. If this one needs to be a result, you would think because Gloucester would probably want to get themselves a little bit, um, <clears throat> a little bit clear of that drop zone. So do I don't think so. I think I think they'll settle. They'd there. settle for a draw. You offer them a draw, they they take it. You know, with a few bonus points. Why not? Yeah, potentially. So, um, selection then. That's going to be the one because we're assuming that that every assuming that everybody has got to be fit. And Peter Siddle is back fit. Uh, Twelve into eleven doesn't go. Um, does anybody want to break with a consensus that it's going to be Jack Brooks who's automatically left out for Siddle, or have we got anything more creative? It's not Danny. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. So I think the question mark is over James Hildreth um, and whether he'll be dropped um, in favour of uh, Lewis Goldsworthy. Yeah, Lewis uh, goes. Which, his... which I wouldn't support, but they must be, they must be thinking about it, given the runs that Goldsworth has been getting for the seconds and the runs that Hildreth hasn't been getting in the last couple of games. Yeah, Lewis Goldsworth getting 196 in the uh, seconds game against Gloucester uh, that finished uh, a few days ago. Now Ben Green also got 150 in Somerset's only innings. Um, for the bowlers, uh, Ned Leonard finished the match figures of 6 for 86 and Casey Aldridge 5 for 75. But I think with the strength and depth that we got with the first 11 bowling now, it's going to be a you know a real struggle for those two guys to, to, to get their hats in the ring for selection. So yeah, it, it literally does come down to, to Siddle versus Brooks. I, I, yeah, I think it's, it's your overseas bowler. Your overseas signing, you you aren't going to not play him after having flown him you know, halfway around the world to play for you. And I don't think Josh Davy or Craig Overton or Lewis Gregory's places are 
you can't say they're under threat. So it it does look like it's got to be Jack Brooks to miss out, unless it's a green seamer and they decide to leave out Jack Leach. But I can't see that happening. It's not going to be a green seamer. It's going to be a road. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to the be only, an absolute the only thing road. Would be if we have a, if we have another slight injury niggle with one of the seamers, which you know. Touch wood, we don't. But they've all they've all been coming into the season carrying knocks, haven't they? So, yeah, I mean, it was very interesting. I, I was quite struck interviewing Jack Brooks at the end of the Warwickshire game. Uh, he was, you know, for Jack Brooks, who is ebullient naturally, and you know, he's, he's a great extrovert. He was really quite subdued, and he was just so pleased. To have made that contribution, to to have taken those 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 wickets after everything he's he's been through, and it is very very tough on him to have to give way to uh, to to Peter Siddle after you know playing his part, you know doing his bit for the side. That's what he was so he's been so much wanting to do, and he and he finally did it because it was a crucial burst. Uh, in mid innings that, that that saw off Warwickshire and, and without that burst we might not have bowled Warwickshire out on the Saturday and the Sunday would have been a complete washout. It rained all day uh, at Langport on, on on that Sunday and it's a fairly you know cruel reward for such a nice guy who tries so hard and has come back and has done it for the team and then he's left out in the in the in the next game. So I feel very, you know, I, I think it's the right it's the right call. But I do feel sorry for Jack Brooks, who is such a lovely bloke, and who you know really thinks deeply about his cricket as well. You know, he's he's not a, a sort of mercenary who just goes you know goes around plying his trade, couldn't care much. Who's, who he's playing for? He's really committed to to the side. It was great to see him. Make and he's, he's done a lot of the. I saw somebody. I think it was Paul Edwards wrote that Jack Brooks is the person when they ask for volunteers to go and do anything community related or that sort of stuff. He's one of the first to do it. So Absolutely. he's really, you know, I'd like to think that he wished he turned left instead of turned right at the start of his career and ended up with us instead of Northamptonshire being an Oxford boy. But you know, it's. Yeah, it is hard, um, but, but I think he will contribute more this season. And you know, being blunt, I, it's a really nice problem, isn't it? If we have to choose between Siddle and Brooks, <laughs> that's a really nice problem to have, rather than as we had at the start of the season, where you know we had a lot of unavailable high-quality bowlers. Yeah, at the start yeah. of the season, we nearly had to choose between Jason Kerr and Steve Kirby. <laughs> that game, it was getting that bad. Well, I, I go with curbs. I go with curbs. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he'd still do a job. Yeah, he'd certainly put the effort in, and I'd love to see Tango take the field one more time. He'd, he'd be, be particularly good against the Gloucesters as well, oh, curbs. Yes, Ooh. he definitely would. Be. Um, so just a quick roundup of uh, this week's county championship matches. Then uh, Essex and Yorkshire. There was a high scoring draw down at Chelmsford, as we alluded to earlier. Uh, Surrey brushed aside Northampton by an innings of five runs. Uh, Lancashire Warwickshire was a was a draw. Uh, the Gloucesters lost down at the Aegeus Bowl by eighty seven runs. So, a couple of people have asked me uh, through various means. We have a little chat about the opposition during our podcasts, and I thought that was a good idea. So, let's do that. Um, one thing that's uh, kind of struck me is James Bracey cannot seem to buy a run at the moment. Yeah. He likes batting against us, though, doesn't he? Yeah. 
He does. What did he get, what did he get against this century and 70? He got a ton didn't he? Yeah, right. And and then he carried the Gloucesters home in the second innings with 70-odd, not out. Mm -hmm. He's a good player. He's a good player. They're a good side. Don't I've been saying this for weeks, if not months. Do not underestimate the Gloucesters. <laughs> and they put up a good yeah. fight against Hampshire as well. They did. Uh, they did indeed. Yeah, Bracey's uh, uh, contribution to that game was Norton 2. Uh, to go with the naught he got in the uh, 450-odd for two, or whatever it was, uh, uh, against Surrey a couple of weeks back. Uh, Mohamed Amir, as well. Um, this is his last Africa. game. They've only signed him on a three-game contract, apparently. So, Ed Hadwell was saying on the comms on the weekend. Yeah, good bowler. Yeah, very good bowler. Dan, has uh, anybody stood out for you for Gloucester this year? See, this is where it's gone wrong. I, I should have researched this myself and then popped you all a message before saying, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about the Gloucester boys. <laughs> but I've got the stats in front of me, don't worry. Oh, uh, I the stats in front of me. I knew you would. I'm just imagining like, the other side of what I can see. Is about, oh, just this wall, like, in, like you have a stock exchange, just with all these batting averages and strike rates and everything uh, going, uh, going all over the shop. Mean? Um, yeah, and Chris Dent is having a good season. He had 207 not out against Surrey. Um, he's he's having a good season so far. Second highest run scorer. Marcus Harris as well. He's the leading run scorer, of course, with the Somerset connection as well. Be interesting to see how he does. I think he played against us last year, didn't he, for um, Leicestershire? Didn't, did he do much? I don't think he did too much, did he, against us last he year? Did. Did he did. That, that was a boring draw, that one, wasn't it? I think you Yeah, we won at, we won at, we beat them at the Steel County ground. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, Higgins as well. Ryan Higgins is a top player all round uh, you know, he's he's scored Brands and taken wickets this season, you know, he's he's one to uh, one to watch for sure. Tom Lace has had a couple of good knocks. Yeah, yeah, if you look at the bowling figures, the only bowler averaging under thirty is Mohammed Amir, twenty eight point three three. The rest of them are actually averaging over thirty. But that's probably partly because they've played on some flat wickets, particularly the uh, the one against uh, the one against Surrey. David Payne's only played one match. Um, I think he's had... Did he have long COVID or something? Yeah. Uh, he's, he, I mean, I rate David Payne. He's, he's a good bowler. Mm, yeah, he played the last game, so he's... Just but I'm not sure it. he's going to be fit. I, I, I honestly don't know. But I don't think Chris Dink's going to be fit either from what they were saying over the weekend. Cause he, no, that's right. He had a big not out 100 in the game against Surrey when the rain came and then didn't play at uh, the weekend. But Ed Hadwin said that Gloucestershire are a side where their the whole is greater than the sum of their parts. And I thought that really sums this current Gloucester side up very well because you, if you did the old go down the team and choose, you know, each spot who you would pick, and you were being impartial, I don't think there's a huge. I think there would be more Somerset players than Gloucestershire players in there, but they've got an awful lot of people who seem all seem to come together and contribute. Um, and remember, before the start of the season, we all thought they might have a serious tilt to this. So they're probably really disappointed with their start to the season. Question for you, Dan. At Bristol last year, who opened the batting for Somerset? Uh, and Byram and Lamamie. I, I was hoping you wouldn't get Byram, <laughs> so I could then give you some stick for it. 
Well, it was Byron with one yeah, sort of no split innings, wasn't it? In that that I was there on the Thursday and the Friday. Yeah, that was the first. That was the first day. That was the first game. First day of you know when spectators were there's hardly any bugger there. Yeah, no, Lammers <laughs> ran himself. It was Forty Lam- day. There was, was hardly anyone yeah. there. Lammers ran himself out as well. Lammers yeah. ran himself yeah. out to it, three. He yep. square leg and just sprinted off. And Eddie Byron went, "What are you doing, Tom?" And I went, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't have done that." Mm. It's a good run. It was a direct hit as well, from what I remember. But uh, yeah, that was probably the only thing of note that happened before it decided to piddle down all day. Yeah, yeah but what an innings from Tom Abel that was. Mm. What did he get? 132 not out? You say you were mm-hmm. there. You watched that one. Go on. Yeah, it was 132 not out. He did, I remember he declared just short of his career best, didn't he? And then we obviously yeah. reduced Gloucester to 27-6. It was a fantastic innings. And that, and that um, what was it, third morning or full third morning, I think? When we took those six six wickets before the was, rain came, down. it was a few that in the was, third evening and a few in the fourth fourth morning. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it sort of rain before lunch on the Sunday, and that was it, wasn't it? That was it. Cool. So um, predictions. Then I'm going. Oh, I think we'll win. High scoring draw. Mm. Pray so. Yeah, I, I, I we're going to bat once. Bat first and bat once. Well, they're, they're, yeah, like, sorry, 603. And yeah. I mean, what did the Blasters get, Dan? 443 for two, they got. Last week, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you'd say bat once, bat big, get scoreboard pressure, but if they're going to reply with <laughs> they reply with 443 for two against a, a good bowling attack like Surrey's, it's, it's got to be a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a moot point getting that scoreboard pressure on. Um, excellent. So, um, unless gonna... unless Gloucester's fancy, Somerset is a bit of a weak link, and they they, they prepare a slightly more spicy pitch in the hope of of doing to us what they did last April. Mm. I don't know. I mean, that, which, which is possible. But I think well, I you, still. If think, you remember, we we've, we've always said. That. That. We've always said in recent years that those pitches have been puddings there, haven't we? And certainly, yeah. you know, the, the one-day pitches suit their, I'm say it is a descriptive term, not a derogatory term, their medium pace attack. So, yeah. Um, so, you you know, if you're looking at it and you're looking at them saying our priority is to stay in the division this year, then they'll be a, uh, targeting... Northampton and Kent as the games that they've got to win, won't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is a local derby, and they're not going to—they're not going to just lie down and say, "Yeah, come on, Somerset, you've had a bad t- start. Come and pick up maximum points against us." That'd be nice if it did. Well, it would be very neighbourly, wouldn't it? Oh, it would be. Yeah. Radio. Um, oh, sorry, Anthony. One of the crosses we've got to bear in the county championship is that we only play Northamptonshire and Kent once. Mm. Yeah. 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 ECB conspiracy theory number what are we up to? Yeah. Seven hundred and fifty five. I know the reason if you want me to give it. Go on then. This in twenty twenty so uh, for twenty twenty obviously this was gonna be it was gonna be the same, you know, division of ten, division of eight. And the the fixtures for twenty twenty had the exact same configuration of you know which team plays which team twice and once you know um so in 2020 we, we were going to play north once kent once and a couple of other teams once um and basically they haven't changed that 
for this year. So in 2020, it was done by sort of seeding. So you wouldn't play, you know, you wouldn't play loads of poor teams only once, play all the good teams twice. But they haven't sort of updated it based on the last couple of years. So it's actually ended up that Northampton and Kent are possibly on paper two, you know, possibly the two worst in the division, if not two of the maybe four worst. Um, so, yeah, it's ended up that actually it's a bit skewed, um, possibly against us. But, you know, maybe the same for some other counties, but there'll be some counties that actually will probably get to play, you know, Gloucestershire twice, Kent twice, Northampton twice, Somerset twice, and they'll probably be quite happy with that. Um, that's just a guess. But, um, yeah, basically it comes to not so the fixtures of 2020 would have gone off the 2019 seeding so we would have finished Correct, second yeah. there so you would have thought that going second we would have actually got to play the two weakest well, teams twice it's not i don't think it necessarily works like i don't know if it gives i don't know if you get an advantage being higher it's just that the spread of fixtures is kind of throughout the division kind of thing i don't know it's it's there is a system, uh, I think. Oh, I, I think um, it works out. fourth in 2019. That's going to be why. Andy, Andy Fordham is the man. Andy Fordham is. He does the fixtures for the ECB. Good bloke. Not the darts player. He's no, open for North Ants, I seem to remember. <laughs> He's a bit broader. You've just jogged my memory because I I actually looked at this during a board hour at work when we we were still going to work in early 2020 and. I think what I did was I applied like a, a weighting of difficulty, if you like, for each game. So Essex would be, of the 10 teams, so Essex were like a 10 because they finished first and then whoever was bottom was one. And then if you assign each fixture a difficulty rating, if you like, based on, you know, Essex would be a 10, we'd be a 9 and then you analyse all the fixtures and add them all up at the end of the season. I think every team broadly... Um, have yeah, the same but kind of descending yeah. I'll dig the tweet out it's, I did it yeah it would have been about February 2020 I did it I'll dig the tweet out and retweet it but I think it was broadly fair but yeah, then, I remember but, that yeah well. you are basing that on s stats and and, and and ratings from you know three years ago yeah. now instead of yeah. last season so oh well it is what it is um Somerset Women's Finals Day, Dan. Do you want to give us a, a bit of an update on what happened? Uh, what happened there? Oh, they got to the final, but lost to they did to Birmingham. Yeah, obviously this is only this is Group Three Finals Day. It's a very very old format. There's no National Finals Day. Every group has its own Finals Day. Pretty much everyone from every group qualifies because most of the groups are groups of four. But I mean, it just the the, the group stage basically determines who you play. So Warwickshire won the group, and they and they play Gloucestershire, who finished bottom of the group. That was in the first semi. Um, Somerset played Wales in the second semi. Uh, so Wales got 122. Uh, Somerset lost Sophie Luff early, but Nat Rafe played you know top innings. Um, you know she's I think it's her first T2050. Uh, she hit 74 not out of 49 with seven fours and one six um, to win the game for Somerset quite comfortably in the end. Uh, game two. So I the Perks are living in Birmingham. I managed to arrive a few overs into the second game uh, into the final. Um, so I was happy to see that uh, Sophie Luff uh, this time uh, 56 of 47 uh, Daisy Jeans as well who earlier in the season scored 30 of 16 uh, Thornbury I think it was uh, she hit 29 of 19 uh, 5 fours and 1 6 and really impressive hitting um, something that surprises me is that she's not in the Western Storm Academy and possibly hasn't I don't think she's ever been in the Western Storm Academy which really surprises me she's clearly got potential and it as I said before, I think in women's cricket, there is a bit of a lack of middle order big hitters. You know, that 
I'm not saying Deans is going to play for England anytime soon, but England are, you know, they're trying to sort of mould players like Mai Boucher into sort of lower middle, middle slash lower order hitters, despite the fact they sort of bat up the order in domestic cricket. So if Jeans can, you know, find a niche for herself as a middle order big hitter, um, you know, she could go quite far. Um, obviously, she's still very young, but you know, I'm sure she she'll be in the Western Storm Academy at some point um, if if she can keep this up because you know those two innings are you know they're they're eye catching uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, Somerset got 140 to seven, which I thought was competitive. Um, Marie Kelly was dismissed first ball of the innings for Warwickshire, which is a huge wicket. Um, you know, she's one of their best players, and Eve Jones was missing as well, so I'm not sure where she was, but she wasn't playing. So Somerset were well in the game pretty quickly. Um, Gwen and Davis. And got one. Thea Brooks got seven. So uh, Warwickshire fell to forty for four after six point one overs. Um, Easy Wong was dismissed as well. She was the third wicket for twenty six of sixteen. So at that point, Somerset were looking like uh, favourites. Um, it became sixty seven for five, but unfortunately, then they uh, Beth and Ellis and Rhea Fackrell um, put on a partnership. Uh, I think it was seventy sort of odd in the end. Um, they did lose one more wicket right near the end, but unfortunately, the game was gone. Then Warwickshire won with. Uh, five balls to spare, but yeah, that, that was with six wickets down. Um, but you know, really, really good game, really good game of cricket. Um, I think it's just a bit of a shame that Somerset won't play again this season. Now, Obviously, there is Western Storm, but mm. Somerset aren't involved in any uh, fifty-over competition as it stands. Some of several other regions have done uh, are, are doing you know competitions for their counties. You've got the London Championship, you've got the East of England Championship. There's now a Southern Counties Championship. There's now a West Midlands Counties Championship. These are all 50 over tournaments that will happen throughout the rest of the season. Um, not necessarily with regional players all the time because the regions will obviously now be playing and the Charlotte Edwards Cup uh, starts soon. Um, but it just gives some of the players that aren't quite uh, at that level of regional cricket you know, more, more cricket to play. Um, but a lot of these Somerset players now, the ones who don't play regional cricket, won't won't be playing any more cricket above club level for the rest of the season. You know unfortunately, what to do, it's a real shame. You know what to do. There's <laughs> an email yes. coming. You got those emails going, Dan. <laughs> I mean, I did tweet about it. I mean, there's really, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Western Storm are noticing that the other regions are doing competitions, 50 other competitions for their counties. So I'm sure Western Storm will get around to it at some point. Yeah, it works perfectly. You know, Somerset, Devon, uh, Cornwall, Wiltshire, Gloucestershire, and Wales, I would say, because they're part of the region as well. The Wales are actually in the West Midlands Counties Cup. Um, but yeah, so no, no brainer for me. They should be, they should be doing, it, and I hope they do soon. If not this year, then hopefully next year. So I think more and more regions will will start doing that soon. So the, I've just got to. And go, tell go me go. about Sophie. Tell me about Sophie Luff because I'm I'm working, but she's commentating with me at Bristol <laughs> on Thursday. Yeah, so that was she, yes. Second game. So yeah, I mean, she's um, like what, she's been at. You know. No, I won't say what I was going to say. Sorry, no, highly, don't say what you were going to say. Dan can tell me all about Sophie Duff. How good is she? She's played for Somerset since I think. Yeah, well, she's played for Somerset since Somerset since 2009. She's sort of a survivor from the amateur era of um, women's cricket. Um, but, you know, she's she's never played for England, unfortunately. But you know, she's um, she's got a lot of runs for Somerset. She's for Western Storm. She she improved, I think, through the years. Western Storm. She played a key role in 2017 final, I think, um, when Western Storm won it. Um, but yeah, she's now the Western Storm captain as well. Um, yeah, really good batter. Um, you know, uses her feet well as a spinners. I think that's sort of one of her uh, key selling points. Um, one of those players who sort of 
a bit like Eve Jones, a few others in women's regional cricket, where sort of a bit older, but not played for England yet, but could if England are willing to take a punt on an older player. Um, Sounds like so a story yeah, going yeah. past your apartment there, Anthony. But, 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 but Luff, but, but, let me just be clear, and Luff did take a slight issue with this on Twitter. Luff is not an old player. She's just relatively old compared to many other <laughs> women's re- regional cricketers. So, so should uh, I introduce yeah, her as the, the, the veteran, veteran Somerset cricketer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she's only 28, so she's not old. But the thing is, England don't really pick players for debuts that are that old and that that goes for both the men's and women's teams I think doesn't it um, so I really hope my chance well I'm looking forward to working sounds like they're holding the Portugal Grand Prix outside your apartment at the moment he's off to try to it's a particularly noisy motorbike going up the road sounds like he's late for his Deliveroo or whatever he's doing radio um it's going I could just hear it going off in the distance I don't think we're good. Oh, where's Dan gone? I was just, I was just, I was just about to ask Dan about the mood in Birmingham. Sorry. Still here, still here. I was just about to ask you about the mood in Birmingham after uh, Warwickshire's defeat at the hands of Somerset last week. Were you sort of walking around giving it the big one, and everybody's crying uh, to their whatever it is they yeah. think in Birmingham, the Bovril or whatever, or did it barely register? Oh, Dan's frozen. No, it's frozen. Oh, he's back. There he is. Sorry. And mis- miserable. No, oh, he's frozen again. They've turned <laughs> your internet off, Dan. That's how, that's yeah, how annoyed that's, they are with you. There's the answer. <laughs> there's the answer. Uh, he's not going to talk about us, Lozy Dan, at Somerset. said this. Cut his bloody internet off. Well, some of the, there's a very good question on Twitter. Which I... Um, a very about, good question on Twitter. We've been doing this two and a half years, so we've we do one. Uh, oh, sorry. Like well, it was about uh, <laughs> if the Somerset pathway is so good, why have why has it yes. why haven't we produced a Red Bull cricketer for England? Yes, the one for Rob Reed. So I've made his debut back in whenever it was two thousand and one. Which so, I think is a really interesting question. Well, you could. My initial thought with with this one was. James Hilder has been very unlucky not to play for England, so yeah. Yeah. you could potentially chalk him up as. As, a, as should have played um, the only other one who's played is Nick Compton who isn't a Somerset homegrown lad but uh, it was, yeah so I'll give you the full question from Rob it was only one homegrown Somerset batter has debuted in test cricket in the last 20 years brackets Joss went at Lancashire yeah. Somerset at the bottom of the championship batting averages for the last three and a half years for all 18 counties is the pathway all it's cracked up to be for red ball batters <laughs> I think that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I'd be interested. What Steve or Dan or oh, you think? Factor insider about a little bit. Well, well yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit. But we play as many games away as we play at home. That's true. Um, yeah. Look at our last five England debutants: they're Jack Leach and Don Bess, two spinners. Uh, Lewis Gregory, who's got him for his T20 batting, Tom Banton, who's got him for his T20 batting, and Craig Overton, who's got him for his you know first class bowling. So, you know, you can see what what you know what we're good at producing, and uh, sort of what the conditions sort of assist with as well. I think yeah. there's I think there's still an element of unfashionability because that um, you know 
I, I genuinely think it. Dad would be very proud of me for saying it tonight. But you know, back in the back in the back in the days, Brian Rose had to score buckets of runs to get anywhere near an England side, and then didn't really get a terribly fair crack of the whip. Um, you know, both of them. <laughs> both of them was just like he just demanded to be picked from an early age. I think we're very good at producing absolutely superb second team batsmen. You know, <laughs> if you look at the people who've scored scored runs in the second team and you know, this year Lewis Goldsworthy drops down and has scored he's probably scored over four hundred runs in a couple of games. Benjamin Green scored hundred and fifty last week. Will Smead scored runs. I think it is a big step up. Um, you know, George Bartley is a, is a huge talent who just appears to be going nowhere at the moment. I also attribute in the last three or four years, I don't think the batting coach position or lack of a batting coach has helped at all. Um, and the other problem is, and you get this where you just, you're just getting into the rhythm. So the seconds have had a couple of championship games. We've got two more and then you have a break to have the blast. And that, to me, Julian White did a really good piece, I thought, analysing how difficult it is. And, you know, I'm sure that in the week off, they will have been doing some range hitting and some T20 practice before switching back to Red Bull stuff now. I I think that is incredibly difficult. And when people go, yeah, but in the old days, they used to play a John Player game on the Sunday in between days one and two of a championship game. That was different because... John Player League cricket was still proper cricket, if you like. It wasn't a lot of manufactured shots, apart from Viv. Um, it was just a 40-over game. You know, you didn't get people scoring at 8, 9 and over, 4 to 5. I guess par scoring the John Player League, in my head, at Taunton was around 200, 190, 200. Uh, it, wasn't you know, it, wasn't, it was about 170. Well, so that's just a shade over 4 and over then. So I suppose you could potentially apply that statement about Somerset to probably all the counties. Maybe not in the last twenty years, but no, you you can't. I mean, look at look at Yorkshire and Harry Brook. I mean, what a player he is! Or Surrey, Surrey and Jamie Smith, Surrey and Jamie Smith, and Ollie Pope, both homegrown. And Will Jacks. And Will Jacks. Well, Will Jacks. Did I say? I thought I said most of the counties. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, Surrey and Yorkshire are, are big counties with, with you know, big or, or young Haynes and Sussex. You know, I mean, there, there's some very, very good yeah, batters around say, the you country. You could say that Tom Abel, you could say that Tom Lamanby is on the right trajectory. But the, the whole point, the whole point is that they haven't gone. You know, they are they are talented players who haven't gone on to fulfil their potential and play for England. And you have to, you know, wonder why that is, which is, you know, which is the question that was asked. And I, I honestly don't know. I, I really don't know what the answer is. But, because they are. We have produced some hugely talented cricketers through the pathway, but they've gone up, you know, they've got into the to the first team, and George Bartlett, Steve mentioned, and then they've, they've plateaued. They, have, they haven't moved on. And that's what's been so Yeah, I mean, you could name any number of them. Define what the purpose of the pathway is, because if the purpose of the pathway is to get them to the point where they're making runs in second-team cricket 
and pushing for first team places there's got to be only so much that a pathway can do or an academy and you know in all sports you know there's got to be you take any other sport and you see people progress through the levels but then there's got to be a bit where to be honest they can't go any further so you know james rue for example he's the pathways produced a guy who starred for england nines and 19s in the last year now we wait to see whether later in the season he can do that in the royal london one day cup and maybe in the championship later in the season so you're saying that the pathway is doing its job we're getting these players up uh, to the team standard and then, and then steve snell back in the day seemed to hit forget, a brick wall forget who he who's the new pathway academy director um, oh, good! <laughs> Come on, somebody must know. Uh, the bloke who's come from yeah. Steve Snell. So he's saying, "There you go, Greg Kennis. There you go, Jason Kerr. There you go, Andy Hurry. Here's Player X. He's put him in the seconds. He scored hundred. So you said it's it's more Somerset County Cricket Club's senior coaching structure rather than the pathway that is potentially the problem. I suspect if we spent the time and looked at all the other counties you know because we don't look at yorkshire or lancashire or surrey with the depth that we look at somerset obviously you would probably see a lot of players you know all anthony's co-commentators from the other counties knots as well would probably go yeah but there's x y and z who've got to that level that we're talking about and not gone on any further so you know, not so not, maybe not because they tend to <laughs> just rob people from all the other East Midlands sides. But, you know, I'm sure there are people in the Surrey seconds and probably playing Surrey Championship or whatever it is now. You know, and then you look at Ben Compton, who has been playing high level cricket in the Southeast for quite a few years. And, you know, to go back to Dan's comment about, you know, people coming through, I think he's late 20s now. So it might be that. We, we just it's a it's quite a small sample size if you're going to do it statistically and we might find in the next couple of years that we get a couple of people that come through and are stellar at red ball but then if you look at what we've produced in white ball i mean will smith's taken franchise cricket by storm tom banton's okay had a bit of a rough time recently but i put that more down to the way england handled him we've produced an awful lot of very fine cricketers maybe in the other disciplines and not so much in red ball yeah, I mean, if you go, let's have a look at the last team that played. So, Tom Lammerby, I think he's, a couple of years ago, he probably would have gone on a Lions tour if there was one, after that Bob mm -hmm. Willis, that shortened Bob Willis season. Um, obviously, Matt Renshaw is Australian. Tom Abel, I think is very much on England's radar. James Hildreth should have played for England. Uh, Tom Banton has Tom played Banton. for England, albeit in Red Bull cricket. Lewis Gregory has played for England in white ball cricket. Craig Overton and Jack Leach have played for England in red ball cricket. Will, uh, who have I missed off? Josh Davey. Josh Davey is international. But he came through Middlesex, really, didn't he? Yeah, I suppose. Um, so, so looking at, you know... Oh, if, you're looking, if you're looking at the batsmen, or the batters, rather than the bowlers, how many of those that you've just mentioned as batsmen have actually improved since they came into the Somerset side in the first place? Good question. Lambie got three centuries in his first season. He hardly scored a run last year. He got a century against Lancashire. And, yeah. But he wouldn't say he's a better batsman. 
batsman now than he was when he came into the side. Would you? Pete Trigo spoke um, very intelligently about uh, Tom Lammerby's first season um, on the on the live stream a couple of weeks ago. I think it might be with Vic Marks during the Warwickshire game, and he was saying something along the lines of. Nobody would have seen Tom Lamaby before, apart from the odd, yeah. the odd in the T twenties, and they just worked him out because he was saying that yeah. if you're bowling at a left hander, your default is to just try and wrap him on the pads, and Lamaby likes it there. So he was just mm. flicking him away through mid wicket, working it away for fun, and, and scoring three hundreds. And then they've analysed him, looked at him, and realised actually he's you don't want to be bowling there to Tom Lamaby. You want to be bowling it off stump, just a little bit outside. Yeah, so he'll be bowling very short on leg stump because he, he he has no idea how to play the book shot or the full shot. So yeah, he was yeah. But, so that's kind of yeah. Right. Was, You're quite right. They worked it out. Yeah. yeah. Works, right. So then it's like the onus is then back on Lamanby to go away and work on that aspect of his game to make sure he doesn't keep getting out, nicking it outside off stump, or just gloving it down the leg side. So. With a young bat, you will get those those ups and downs during the the first couple of years of their career. As you know, they get worked out. It's almost like an arms race. The bowlers will work you out, then you mm. go up a level, and then you you just have to keep keep improving. So, I Ian, I remember at the level I played at years and years ago. Um, Alan Parsons, so dad of Keith and Kevin, was captain at Taunton St Andrews. Scored runs for fun. Played in the Somerset Second Eleven, and he sat me down, talked to me because um, Dad and he worked together, so that's how I knew him. And he said that when he played in the Somerset Premier League game, he would look to score, he, he reckoned he could score four to five balls and over against the top Premier League bowlers he was up against. And when he went into the first team, it into the seconds, it was one to two balls and over. That was the difference. And I think you're, you take that... I was thinking of Lewis Goldsworthy again. He probably watching bits of his innings now, he was able to score, manipulate the striker four to five balls and over he was facing. And then he comes up into the first team and it's again one to two. And it's I think it's a huge mental adjustment there because whereas in the seconds he'd look up at the scoreboard after half an hour he's on 30. In the first he's on four. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the bit that your pathway can't get you. That, that at some point, huge, these guys are all hugely talented cricketers. Got to wish I had what they, the talent they got in their left thumb when I played cricket, you know? And yet there's that, some have got it and some haven't. Yeah. And that, that has to be part of it. And that's not a failure of the pathway. That's just the sample size to me. Yeah, you're absolutely I think right. it's a fantastic, fantastically interesting question. And I just like, I just like to, to talk to other people sort of that do what we do at other counties and get their take on it. Because... You'd probably no, find I mean, you would you would find that um, you know we talked about the bowlers that we've had playing for England. You'd probably find somebody from another county who has had only batters playing for England. Let's say I don't know, we're probably Yorkshire. So, oh, we've had Johnny Bairstow and 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 Joe Root playing for England. Uh, but what bowlers have they had? And Matt Fisher made his debut recently. But Fisher side bottom. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah. side, <laughs> side bottoms. Come on, side bottoms. Are, are, he, he yeah, well, he's talking about Arnie's side bottom or Ryan, <laughs> yeah, and which Ryan is which Ryan side bottom as well. But do you know what I mean? You, the, you, question, you, the question is about batters, not about bowlers. I know, but you, what I'm saying is, you could you could pick and you could focus on something mm. that a county hasn't done, and they go, "Oh, why haven't we done this?" And then, but then you go, "Well, look at what we have done, which is good." So I, I, I take the point to 
I think it's a very, very good question. I, I don't know what the answer is. I, you know, but it, it is a very good question that that you know. The second part all of the question these hugely talented batsmen, you know, coming up through the academy, and when they get to the, into the first team, George Bartlett, absolute classic example. He gets gets a couple of hundreds, and then he's not in the side at all because he's you know he's just not he's not they're not going on, not improving. I don't know why that should be, but it's a you know it's something that Andy Hurry and Jason Kerr should be really seriously addressing. Along with Lachlan Stevens. Yeah, exactly. Who I who I really like and rate, and I hope I hope that he gets the chance to work with 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 the batsmen uh, on a one-to-one -one basis because you know they've all people other than me i'm not a technical uh, expert but people other than me have pointed out all sorts of technical flaws in somerset batsmen who, which need correcting and and uh, that's the job of the coach to do that definitely so the answer to your question rob is we're not sure, but it's probably got something to do with the coaching. But it's a bloody, bloody good question. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, Simon, uh, what do you think the plans are for Ollie Sale? Is he still being lined up as our T20 death bowler? Well, I, oh, I forgot to put him in my side earlier. Uh, Anthony's so face plays back the, the video in his mind of that last over at Bristol a couple of years ago. You don't even need to say a word, Anthony. <laughs> but he should never have been asked to bowl it. Lewis Blooming Gregory should have bowled it. Yeah, it was a shocking bit of captaincy there, throwing him it's, in. It's interesting, Ian, because he's been captaining the seconds. Yeah. I think Ben Green captained the pre-seasons, and then Ollie Sale skipped the side since. And he hasn't, he's bowled a bit, but he hasn't bowled a huge amount. So I suspect this is a season where they just want to get overs into his legs. You know, people who know Southwest Club cricket much better than me will probably say he's putting overs in for whoever as well. I would be really surprised if they give him first-team exposure. I think he'll play all the second-team T20s that are starting and probably caps in the side in that. But I think they've got... I think he's clearly got a good cricket brain because you wouldn't be chosen to captain the twos if you didn't have a good cricket brain. Mm -hmm. And I suspect it's a bit of a rehab. You know, giving him the captaincy might well be helping him mentally as well as... Um, you know, taking his mind off both the, the mental side of it and the physical rehab he's going through. Let's have a quick look, see how old he is. If you don't want to jump in, Dan, if you remember off the top I mean, of your head. I was just going to say, well, I was just going to say, he's in the last... He's in the last oh, he's up, no, he's, he's older, older than that. Um, he's 26. I've got my spreadsheet open. All right. Opening. <laughs> he's, um, he's in the last year of his contract, so the question is whether we're happy to, you know, give him another year we, you know say, say to him this year don't worry about it you can get another year we're just gonna you know let you slowly work your way back up to mm. full fitness in the second 11 and potentially push for pace next year um speaking speaking of the very quickly someone else of that vintage and nathan gilchrist is on a run of six consecutive ducks in the county championship Did he come so that's to one to look out for is that, is that going to be another uh, some more ammunition <laughs> for rob's question <laughs> I don't know. Did he? That will be worth keeping an eye out when Kent bat on Thursday or Friday. Right, I've gone completely off kilter now. I'm trying to get my spreadsheet open to find out how old Ollie Sale is. Give it one last go. No, it's not playing ball. Right, uh, did we have any more questions? 
John Hayes asked what the streaming figures are because I think Ben said he was going to let us know those figures. So hopefully right. Ben will listen to this and put them up. Yeah, no idea. Yeah. Sorry about that. They won't, won't, won't be as good as the uh, BBC listenership figures then. <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of co coast co stream you and and the and the live stream. I have you on. Th- oh, I have, that's have you very on. diplomatic. Well, no, I, I, have, I have the radio commentary on, and then I pause the stream, so there's about a 30 to 40 second delay on it. So if there is a wicket or something, I just... It's about 25 seconds, over, 25 seconds. I'll over the live stream and I get a replay. Easy yeah. as that. So we don't know, John, but uh, we'll endeavour to get Ben to, to find out for you. Uh, or more. When, when, um, when Babar Azam made his debut for Somerset in the T20 back in whatever it was, 28, 2018, 19, we had... Oh, Anthony. Oh, no. The internet oh, no. Vast, vast majority of them from South, South Asia. Yeah, it was over a million for Babarazan. You still get the hangover of that on the live stream every now and again. It's you just the odd one. Yeah. Up. Where's Babarazan? Yeah. Babarazan played? Yeah. Not today, <laughs> my friend. Not today. What a player, though. Some, there was a thing on um, um, Somerset on, on the uh, Somerset Twitter feed about who's the best white ball player in T20 for Somerset. Babarazan. Babarazan. Mm. No. No, no. <laughs> I think that caused a bit. Of con- <laughs> that did cause a bit of controversy Would- actually, because you just and then everybody piling in in the comments going, "What about people like Max Waller and Alfonso Thomas and and people like this?" Uh, like, yeah, Barrazan was just point. head and shoulders. Beautiful. I would, I would give anything to see Viv Richards in his prime play T20 cricket. No, I, oh, my I would not. It would oh. be demeaning the great man. <laughs> I, I would. I, I would not want him to to lower himself to play T Twenty cricket. Is he, he's coaching somebody, oh. isn't he? Was he? He was coaching Will Smead's side out in the the PSL, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Demean himself by coaching. We I'm should sure do a show. We should do a show in the winter. We should do a show in the winter about memories of Viv because some of those innings he played in. Gillette Cups especially. Oh, my goodness. Oh, just... just Against serious bowling as well. You know, the bowlers in those days, back back in the 1980s, when we had the best bowlers from around the world operating at yeah. full Wayne Daniel, Garth LaRue, Willis coming, charging in, you know. Imran Khan, Malcolm Marshall. I'm afraid to say my first memory of Viv is probably him winning the, uh, the Sunday League with Glamorgan back in... 93-whatever-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-was-it-
Um, da, 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 da. Good question. And I think we are done. Oh, new tweet notification from Somerset. Ladies' Day, Wednesday, August the 10th. That's the Durham game in the Royal London One Day Cup. Right. Well, even with Somerset not playing this week, you've managed to rabbit on for about an hour. So, uh, sorry about that. Uh, but uh, no, I've not edited any of these before, and I'm not going to start now. So, you're going to have to listen to the whole hour, I'm afraid. Uh, do we have a life to I just, leave. I just want to ask Steve, Steve, a question um, about selection for the Gloucester game because he's a great yeah. fan of Lewis Goldsworthy. Would you drop Hildreth and put Goldsworthy no. in the side? Nope. I think he, I think it's unfair on Hildreth. I mean, I, that's no disrespect to Lewis Goldsworthy, but I'd like him to stay in, if he's going to make runs in the twos and then come back in for the Royal London. Yeah, it's a long-term development with him. And, Very good. Uh, and my other know, question is, stick. my other question is, would you give Banton the gloves, drop Steve Davis, and put Goldsworthy in as no. an extra investment? No? I want Banton to concentrate on his red ball batting. Fair enough. Good. I think those are the two big selection questions. Mm-hmm. I think they are, yeah. Steve Davis and James Hildreth look to be the only two that are really in a little yeah. bit of jeopardy. Maybe not quite yet, but uh, no runs up at uh, up at Gloucester this week. And, uh, yeah, the executioner's axe may be... Alternatively, my maroon-tinted spectacles say that at lunchtime on the second day, Davis goes to his 100, and the two of them take the total beyond 500 for four. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, any, any of us would be uh, too disappointed to see that, Steve. Uh, do we have any other business then, guys? No, looking forward to the game so. against the Big John. game, um, big game. Hey, you're going up, Anthony. Uh, I don't think I can get up until the Sunday, so let's hope. Let's hope that the game uh, lasts until then, and we can all get up. Yeah, there. Let's hope the Somerset win on the Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. Then. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you, right uh, yeah. Best of luck to Tom Oden and the boys then uh, up at Neville Road this week. Uh, but for Steve, Dan, and Anthony. Uh, wish you a very fond farewell and we will catch up with you next week bye everyone